I'm speaking with Scott Lay, Nevada County's Superintendent of Schools. Hello, Scott. Good morning, Charlotte. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, how are you doing? I, I'm doing great as well. Good. Doing great. So it's been a while since we've had a conversation, and um, I thought it would be a good time to touch base with COVID numbers rising in Nevada County, uh, even though our hospitalization rates are remaining low at the moment. Um, and of course, this rise in numbers is also impacting our schools. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's certainly, you know, good, the good and the bad news. I mean, the good is you say the hospitalization rates are not um, are not skyrocketing, which is fantastic, and it seems that the cases we have are not uh, severe, which is which is also great. The bad news is the number of them. I think yesterday in Nevada County we hit 47, and with those kind of numbers, we know that that's going to move us into the red, and and you know we've got to be honest and start looking: is that going to move us into the purple uh, tiered system? But um, the impact on schools, yeah, we've had several positive COVID cases in our school since last week. We've got uh, you know, Twin Ridges Elementary School District has actually gone back to distance learning for two weeks. They had uh, the, some positive tests up there, and they felt it was um, the, the best course of action to go to distance learning for two weeks before coming back to hybrid. Um, they had uh, a case, big case yesterday, what, one case, but it impacted about 44 students and uh, some staff who now need to be quarantined. Um, Silver Springs, the Pleasant Ridge School District has had a couple cases, a new one this morning, Grass Valley School District, and Union Hill. Um, so with that, that, that's not surprising to us. Um, they're not cases that we're seeing spread at this point in time through the schools. They are being brought to the schools, which we, which we expected, and that's why we have the protocols and procedures. In most cases, we've been able to isolate the students before they've actually got to class. They, you know, with the symptom checking we're doing, um, a few developed symptoms after they did uh, come into their classroom, and, and that's where you see the isolated in the cohorts situation. But certainly an increase in numbers, um, not enough to close our schools permanently to a distance learning model as of yet. Um, again, Twin Ridges did that because they're a small school that student um, had multiple contacts with people, and so therefore they just did it for safety. Small schools can react easily. Um, so that's where we're at. You know, looking ahead, I think the first question I keep getting is, well, with these increased cases, are we going to close our schools? And the answer is no, based upon the criteria. You'd have to have multiple outbreaks at a school site where you'd be looking uh, at closing the school and going to distance learning, and we'd be working with public health on that. That has not happened yet. Um, so, again, our, our procedures are, are working very well. What the issue is going to be for our schools, Charlotte, is the lack of substitute teachers and the increase of testing and the longer it's taking now to get an appointment to be tested for COVID and to get your results back. Those are two really big issues facing our schools right now. Scott, what could potentially happen if a teacher is sick? So let's say, you know, you, you've got a teacher who potentially is uh, been exposed they need to get tested right now the wait time to get in to be tested is like four to five days and so you'd have four to five days of the missing class plus then four days probably at the other end waiting to get test results back so that's where the critical shortage of substitute teachers comes in um, and we've been scouring the county to try to get more subs and we just cannot find them right now um, yeah. but what would happen is probably you would then put that cohort where the teacher 
who is out, uh, you'd put them on a distance learning model until you had a sub or until the teacher came back. So still not shutting the whole school down, but it may be taking that class and going from hybrid back to distance learning until a substitute could be um, acquired and brought in. And you don't want a sub on like a Monday, then nobody on a Tuesday, Wednesday, another different sub on Thursday. You'd want consistency for the students. So that will all be factored in as well. But there is a critical shortage right now of substitute teachers in Nevada County and across the state of California as well. We are seeing that everywhere. That's big. That's sad news. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very big. Um, you know, on the testing piece, I'm working with the county. I'm working with our insurance groups who provide uh, testing through Quest Labs. And in those areas, we're looking to see if we can increase the capacity to reduce the amount of time it takes to get a test and to get the results back. The county of Nevada and insurance companies have been very proactive with that. So that's kind of my Friday today is working on that to see what we can pull together. Mm. The substitute teacher piece is a bigger issue because, you know, the reality is most of our substitute teachers are retired teachers, and um, which puts them potentially in groups that are could be compromised you know, and, and for the coronavirus. And so they've opted not to work, and, and we understand that for their safety. That, you know, I support that, but it leaves a, a dramatic shortage of substitute teachers in our county. Right. So what about particular families, a student or multiple students in a cohort um, tested positive? Do individual families have the ability to change their mind about having their students go into the classroom? Can they go back to a distance learning model even if they've signed up for going into the classroom? That is certainly the discussions going on at all the districts, and, and most districts will, will allow for that. And, and the reason that they may not is sheer numbers. You know, if you had a mass migration uh, into distance learning, it would take shuffling of staff because you've got staff doing distance learning. You've got, in some cases, staff doing just hybrid. In other cases, they're doing both. It depends on the model at each site. But I know each district and charter school would certainly work to accommodate that. They want the parents to feel safe. They want the students to feel safe. They want the staff to feel safe. So that would be the ultimate goal. Well, it doesn't sound like it's an easy situation on any level. What do you anticipate happening as we move into winter and winter break? Could we potentially see a, a lightening up of the situation like over winter break? Personally, I fear it could go the other way. I, I was expecting a surge after Thanksgiving. Um, and it, uh, I didn't, didn't expect it right after Halloween. We, we know there was a, a lot of you know, trick-or-treaters out there, and we know there were some parties where some social distancing was not taking place. There, you know, that's, people are tracing it back to these gatherings. Um, and I get it. Everybody's tired of COVID, and um, you know, we're kids and people are missing out on traditions and, and things that you know, make life fun. Um, but we're seeing the impact of it right now. Uh, and it, it really, I, I don't know where, what's going to happen right now, Charlotte, with, you know, are people going to realize, like, hey, we really need to buckle down and wear a mask, socially distance, um, you know, wash our hands, use sand, hand sanitizer, really you know, clean. Um, I, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, we, we really need to, to turn this, uh, this corner. I'm, I'm very concerned about our local businesses. I don't think there's a lot that could handle another shutdown if we go to purple again especially around the holiday season when I'm sure a lot of them do the, you know, do a high percentage of their business for the entire year. So that concerns me greatly for our community. So, you know, even myself, I'm rethinking I was going to have my mom, who's all by herself, come up for my Thanksgiving and my dad. And uh, 
I'm starting to rethink that, going, hmm, maybe I should be bringing something to them, you know, and dropping it off at their, their house, not going in. I'm, right. I'm just with this recent surge, I'm worried about them. I'm you know, worried about any kind of spread going on. Again, the silver lining right now at this point in time as of Friday is, you know, the, the cases are, don't seem to be severe. We're not seeing people get really, really ill and be hospitalized, and that's great. You know, but that could change. Um, right. And so we want to keep it, keep it from going there and keep everybody safe and you know, wear your mask. I hate my mask. I don't know anybody who says, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to put my mask on to go somewhere. But, you know, I, I do wear it everywhere I go um, because I, I, just, I want to look out for the other people just in case I was asymptomatic. So I just, just encourage people to think, think about it again. If it keeps our businesses open, please do it. If it keeps our schools open, please do it. Um, yeah, and um, let's just be as safe as we can and, and thoughtful to each other and, uh, and keep our community safe. Scott, that was a lovely positive note to um, end on. So as usual, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to um, talk with us. Okay, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. And I have been talking with Scott Lay, Nevada County Superintendent of Schools. For KVMR, I'm Charlotte Peterson.